Hey guys, welcome to the Kevin and Fred show. My name is Kevin Kaufman. I'm your host. And I just want to say thank you for taking some time out to listen with us this week. Do me a favor. If you don't mind, before we get to today's guest, head on over to ratethispodcast.com. That is ratethispodcast.com forward slash NLA. That stands for next level agents. Ratethispodcast.com forward slash NLA and leave us a review or just go to any podcast player that you prefer and uh, look us up, The Kevin and Fred Show, and please leave us a review. That is the best way to support our efforts here in the show. All right, let's get to today's episode. All right, guys, we are back on The Kevin and Fred Show, and I am really excited about today's episode. I'm joined uh, by Bill Perkins, who is known by some as the last cowboy, or at least the Wall Street Journal will call him that. Bill is one of the world's most successful hedge fund managers and entrepreneurs. And honestly, there's so much more stuff we could say about Bill, but, and I'm going to get to that. I'll link to all that in the notes, but most importantly, Bill wrote a book called die with zero that, um, quite frankly, grabbed me. Like I haven't had a book grab me in, in a really long time. Uh, it's probably one of five books that have been most impactful for me where I've been able to actually then go out and take action and noticeably change things. And so uh, I'm excited to share the story of this book uh, and sort of how you got there, Bill, and, and more about your story as well. So uh, Bill Perkins, welcome to the to the podcast today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And I'm glad the book had an impact on you. Yeah, me, me too. You know, Bill, I thought this would be a fun place to start, if you don't mind. Uh, you're known in some circles, and it's not like you're, uh, you're not exactly on coupons here, but you're known uh, in some circles as like an honorary billionaire. Can you give us the the background on that or what that means to you when people, your friends call you that? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess it picked up kind of first in the poker world and, and people seeing me spend or kind of like documenting my life traveling. And, it, and there's this perception that, oh, he's a billionaire, the way he's living. And I'm like, far, far from it. But, you know, I, I spend as if a billionaire should be spending because, you know, uh, you know, my focus is on experiences and activities and things and enjoying life, not, um, you know, on my net fulfillment, not my net worth. And so, it, you know, I, I'm not this like frugal miser sitting in here with a hoard of gold, like, you know, what's the next return? In 20 years, I'm thinking, ah, I probably won't be able to move that much in 20 years. Let, let me go. Let me go do the things I want to go do now. Um, that's uh, that. Thanks for sharing that. I appreciate that. You you share a story in the book uh, about uh, I want to say it was your first boss or at least one of your first bosses sort of like um, got mad at you or, or said had some choice words when you had shared with him, you know, even though you weren't making much money, I think it was like 16,000 or 18,000 a year at the time, but you'd managed to save up. I think it was like a thousand dollars. Yeah, and you you got a different reaction than what you expected. Was that like the first like kind of smack in the face, if you will, where you said, "Oh, hold on a second, I might be optimizing for the wrong thing here." Yeah, it it, it was close to it uh, around the first time. I, I had a uh, you know I was very frugal. I was like basically a fire guy, you know, uh, trying to save. Every, and that stands for financial and financial independence, retire early, right before there was fire. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was like, well, if I save this money and, I, you know, I read books about, you know, 6% over a year. And by the time you're 65, you know, just just a mindset that had come through the culture about, you know, um, the more savings, the better. And uh, my my boss, Joe Farrell, I was quite proud of myself when I was talking about like, you know, he was standing by a conversation I was having with a, another clerk. And he overheard me say that I had saved a thousand dollars. And he goes, are you a fucking idiot? <laughs> and I'm, I'm like wait what i've i was about, i thought i was gonna get a pat on the back and a talk about the virtues 
of saving. He's like, you came here to make millions. Like, what are you doing saving a thousand dollars? I know how much you make, like go out and spend that money and have fun. And, and it kind of was a big slap across the face. And I was kind of like, yeah, he's right. I did. I didn't come here to make $16,000 a year. Like there is this future earnings that's going to grow. I, I, I'm, why am I saving, you know, a thousand dollars and taking from my poor self to give to my future wealthier self, you know, that type of thinking was going on and it, it didn't make sense. And I'm like 20, I should be having fun. And so, you know, I, I went down that path. I kind of yo-yoed from like this, like super frugal guy who bought the, you know, one month pass, you know, that type of thing to get to work, convince my boss to do employer matches on transportation. I was like, you know, to a guy who spent every single nickel he made, no matter how much money he made, you know what I mean? So like I was ping-ponging from, you know, frugality to, to, to overspending. And, and those thoughts started like, okay, what is the optimal thing to be doing here? Right. Yeah. It's funny. You know, I've, I've, um, as I've, re I've referred this book to, I mean, I somehow, it just got in my, my, um, awareness. It was at the, the end of June. So not that long ago. And, mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not, when I'm telling somebody about this book, I'm like, you know, if you are, if you don't know how to make money or if you spend like a drunken sailor, I'm not sure this is the, like, this isn't the thing. This isn't going to save you. Right. Although maybe there will, cause there's a lot of life lessons in here. I think to go way beyond money, but this right. is really about threading that needle and the nuance. You, you know, I'm a guy who, uh, you know, grew up with lower middle class at best. And so when I started to, to re earn real money, I realized like, and stop just spending everything. I was like, accumulate, accumulate, accumulate assets. That is right. And then, uh, and so I got so ingrained in that. So maybe it's just timing for me where I saw this. I went, Oh, hold on a second. This is a really great thing. I think you use the term optimized life fulfillment or life energy, if you will. Um, how did, you know, was there a point where you came to that? What was it when you were sort of forced to start writing down your thoughts. I think you said it was a doctor that recommended that you actually write, write this out. Was that the thing that really kind of helped you put this all together uh, with your thoughts? Yeah. I, you know, I, so I had, I had gone through this whole thing of like, okay, I'm going to die. I really don't want to work for, for work for free, right. Earn money and not, and not be able to use it. Right. Like I don't want to go spend a bunch of money on Chuck E. Cheese tokens and just go, you know, die and not be able to ride the ride, right, of, yep. of life, you know, that's my analogy, and so I, I began thinking, like, you know, you know, everybody says, oh, I want to be rich before I'm 30 or 40, and I'm like, there's a reason why, right, like, nobody's, like, nobody's like, oh, yeah, I want to be rich before I'm 80 or 76, right, like, there's some, they're inherent in that thought is there's some sort of utility curve of the money, the ability to convert it into experiences and things that you want, right, and you want more of life, and I was like, well, I don't want to be broke when I'm 80 and I don't, I don't want to miss out on opportunities and like, you know, have my roller coaster money or my skiing money past the time where I'm able to do it or enjoy it. Right. It's because your body, you know, you age, you deteriorate and you die. And that has a forcing function. It basically removes certain activities from either your enjoyment bucket or your ability to do it bucket. Right. As well as your own choices on who you are. Like, um, I say life is like Tetris. You kind of got to get the order right, yeah. you know, to get the high score, right? And so if you're like, yeah, I'm going to go clubbing and, and strip clubs or whatever after I get married and have three kids, you know, it just doesn't work, right? Like there's dynamic decisions in your life that kind of remove certain things, right? And then there's just the, 
periods and people of your life. Like I, I alluded to the story of like my daughter watching Pooh's Heffalump movie with her when she's young. Yeah. And how do I allocate, how do I allocate my, my time, my wealth and my health throughout the span of my life in order to get the most fulfillment out of it? That's the book, right? Yeah. And I had been talking, you know, the central premises is that, well, you use all your resources that you have directed to getting fulfilled. Right. And then it's like, okay, how do I allocate those with this forcing function called deterioration and the fact that my life changes. And it's a lot of awareness. It's a lot of awareness about what, what experiences you want to have in our life. A lot of awareness about like, Hey, you know, I'm not going to live forever. Right. And certain, certain opportunities will, uh, pass me by forever and some will be suboptimal as time goes on. So I want to write a computer program. That's the long story. I mean, that's the, the medium story of like, I want to write this computer program to tell me exactly what to spend, exactly what to save so I can like get the most out of life. And the problem was, is that it's too many variables, constantly changing, not enough compute power there, there is. You're basically writing a sim of your life. Uh, and when I went to go see the doctor and I talked, you know, they did the psychological exam of like, are you afraid of running out of money? You know, well, it was one of the stress questions. And I was like, well, I hope I run out of money. And he was, you know, he's kind of like blown away. Like, what do you mean? And I gave him the spiel, a big long spiel. And he's like, nobody's ever answered the question that way. You've got to write a book. And um, it was kind of like the last year I thought about it. I was like, it, it, it would help me get it all organized instead of these like separate conversations and debates I would have with friends and people close to me. And, and I would be able to use it kind of like as my guidebook, like here's, here is the mental model. This is how you should be thinking about these things that come up in your life, you know, repeatedly. Yeah. And so that's a, man, that's a, that's a great story. I'll tell you, you referenced the, the part of the book where you, you mentioned the, the poo movie with your daughter. And yeah. uh, I just, I'll never forget reading that. I've got two young daughters, they're seven and nine. And I just, man, I just instantly was like, whoa, hit me like a, like an absolute ton of bricks. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the rest of the book w was, was great. And I just, you know, that's one of those moments where I remember I'm like, oh yeah, like that's, that's where I think maybe I really realized this book is so much more, I think it's easy to look at the cover or have an idea of what you think and you think it's about and think maybe, oh, it's a money book or something like that. But it really is so much more than that. And for me, it was that story that you shared where it just, you know, it hit me and I realized like, yeah, I'm going to have that moment too real soon. I mean, I've already had yeah. that moment. I just didn't realize it, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's that when you're on auto, I use the word autopilot a lot in the book, right? Like a lot of things that get us by, like, you know, that make, you know, you learn a skill, you do it, and then you don't really think about it, like driving, right? Like you're not like in your head, I better hit the turn signal. And oh my gosh, like when you first started to drive, everything was panicky. And now you drive and sometimes you don't even know how you got home, right? Because it goes into the default mode network. Um, unfortunately driving is not, or, or fortunately in some stations, but um, it's not the only thing that goes into default mode network, right? We just kind of go through life on this kind of like autopilot thing, not really thinking like, wow, you know, I'm doing these activities. Like let, let's say you're going to, I don't know, out, uh, to do some other activity than spending time with my daughters, right? Like I'm going to go watch this, you know, Blade Runner with my friends when I should probably watch this movie with my daughters because that time period is going to go out. I can watch Blade Runner later. It's really about optimizing in every sense of the word so that you get the most fulfilled. So you don't get past the time period and go, oh, I regret not doing this at this time. Yeah, right? it's it's <laughs> this beautiful intersection of like your your income, 
your health and like the stage of life that you're in and really factoring in all those, at least that's been my takeaway from it yeah. is it's, it's all those things kind of brought together. Something you, you referenced to before the doctor had uh, sort of urged you to, to write the book or at least to start writing down the ideas. Uh, you mentioned kind of like always having these different arguments for people. I, I know I, I can only imagine sort of the backlash you take from your friends, especially probably some of the yeah. circles you run in. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, your method, if you will, it's probably been considered pretty radical uh, by a lot, especially, um, you know, those more focused on that traditional grow your retirement income approach to life. People that sort of idolize the Warren Buffett's of the world, which, you know, great if that's what you're optimizing for. But I'm curious, who's given you um, who's giving you the greatest pushback, like maybe or another way of saying this, what are the greatest or the strongest arguments against your approach that you've heard? Uh, and if someone else takes the position of like, Hey, you, your approach is wrong, Bill. What are they saying to you? And, and how, how do you normally respond to that? I, I think, well, you know, the book is written as like a response to all the resistance you would have to like trying, trying to optimize. I think, um, you know, I think the biggest one is uncertainty, which I cover with, you know, insurance products, right? Like there's just, how do you know when you die? Right. Like kind of that thing, like, like there, there's, there, there's solutions for that in, in the book. Um, and then I think one that's kind of out there that I would really give, um, you know, uh, some credence to, but you, you're always, it's not like you set a model, this is how much I'm going to spend, and this is my spend curve for the rest of my life. You're continually updating that, right? Yeah. And so it's an auto-correcting mental model. And if it was a computer program, you'd be running every day, right? Uh, it's an iterative process. And that's the reason why a computer couldn't do it, because it's constantly calculating and spinning out information but for you for your simplifying it have a mental model you can do that it's um technology in life improvements and life extension right so if yeah. you live for you know the, the the book becomes useless not that you never die but that you deteriorate and certain things don't uh aren't optimal to do in later periods of your life right and so you've lived forever and never deteriorated, you don't need this book, right? This book is useless, right? It becomes less useful if you, uh, um, if you die at a certain date, but you, you stay at perfect health, like you were 33 years old. It still has some, it still has some optimization, but it becomes less useful. And so the, if technology comes along where you're going to live another 500 years, you know, my book kind of becomes less, <laughs> you know, and not deteriorate, right? And everybody, then it becomes le less and less useful. It's the fact that life is finite and life is urgent, right? Yeah. And there are periods in your life, not only do you die, you know, this ultimate death, but there are periods of your life that die. The, the, the person with young kids, the single you, the first job. The, the one that's, you know, very healthy, can run five miles and, you know, as, as until the, you know, you're in your forties and fifties. And then it's like, oh, we're not going to be able to do that. That's not really good for my back or my spine or whatever. Now that I'm here in this, this age group, the person with grandparents, the person without grandparents, with your parents around, not around. Right. And it's like, okay, I, the one resources that, that I have is time. How do I allocate that? How do I allocate my time? How do I allocate my wealth in using my time? You know, how, how do I use my health? in this period. And so those all directed towards net fulfillment. Like I, I don't, you know, people, I don't give a shit about money. I care about what it affords me to do. It, it's a tool for my net fulfillment. Right. Yeah. 
education is a tool for my net fulfillment. You know, my relationships and how I behave, that's a tool for my net fulfillment, right? And so that, you know, is my underlying premise is that that is the purpose of life, right? You know, I hear, I hear another argument is like, where does charity fit in there? And I'm like, charity is an experience too. That's part of your fulfillment. So when I, when I use the word experience, everybody starts to go, oh, you mean like going to parties and hanging out on yachts and stuff? I'm like, no, 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 no. I meant it in the broadest sense of the word. Like, what do you do with your time? Whether it be altruistic or hedonistic, how do you allocate to be the most optimal, to get the most out of life, to get the most fulfillment? And so those are the arguments against. I, I try and address uh, all of them, the strongest ones, you know? And, yeah. and you know, I, I have a very big chapter about what about the kids? You know, that's yeah. the number one question. The number, what about the kids? And, and uh, you know, I'll try and quickly go through it because it's, it's a whole chapter on it. But essentially when I'm talking about optimizing your life and spending all your money before you die, I'm talking about your money, not your kid's money, right? Uh, money that is for your kids should be separate out of your estate in a trust or savings account for theirs, right? Like it's not their money until it's transferred in their name. So that whatever, let's say you go out and you're drunk driving, you hit somebody and they sue you, the kid's money is gone too, right? Yeah. And so that's one. Two, um, that doesn't mean that they get it and they're able to use it. It just means that it's separate from yours. And now they have the money that you're gonna give them, right? And you're gonna turn it over to their control at a certain date in their life. And you have your money and you can optimize because the same laws of physics that, that guide their decay and then eventually death and optimization formula applies to them as well as you, as well as everybody else. And so you're trying to, you know, when you give, leave an inheritance, like I want to give money to my kids. I want to, you're really saying, I want to give the ability to have experiences that they want to my kids and their ability to optimize and use that. And, and where it's going to have the most impact is not at 60. Yeah. It's not at the average age of intelligence. Nobody says, I want to give my money to a bunch of old people. You know what I mean? Like, right. you know, 60, like that doesn't make any sense, right? Like that's not really thinking about your kids and where's the maximum impact of, of, of an inheritance, right? And so, you know, and, and also it's like, you know, you're going to like, most people aren't even thinking about it. It's just kind of like this uh, random date to random people because unfortunately you don't know if your kids will predecease you one of them or not will produce you and a random amount they're not really planning for them it's really not really thinking about the kids and so i i advise in the book that you know people reach uh mental maturity at 28 roughly you know your brain and, and physical maturity at 33 and after that it's plateau and decline and somewhere between the ages of 25 and 33 whatever you're going to give them you should be giving you know turning over to them not like, oh, some random amount of money when I die as a tip on the way out. Like, here you go. Here's a here's what I, you know, didn't use or not use. You know what I mean? That's what, well, so. it, it tends to uh, with a, I think a lot of people uh, and this probably varies by, uh, I would say, you know, net worth levels. But I think you, the majority of people who receive an inheritance are effectively getting what's left over. Right. They're they're getting what was left when whoever left them the inheritance passes away. Not because they said, hey, I want to make sure, you know, my, my son or my daughter's got, I don't know, a quarter of a million dollars for, for their first home and something else. Like, it, it's, right. n- it's very planned. So, I like, in your book, yeah, I mean, it's very detailed. Like, hey, come up with a plan and just make this part of what you're doing. And to me, it makes a whole lot more sense to plan for that ahead of time rather than here's what's left, right? 
Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's about intentional intentionality, right? Are you being intentional about it? Are you really thinking about your kids? Are you really thinking about their special circumstances and their needs and what you want to spend and what they what you want to give them as opposed to all right, you know, randomly someday in the future I'll pass away and then you know they'll sell off my you know box of trading cards or whatever it is, you know, at sixty to finally go on the trip, right? And so problem is is with that one of you know major problems with that is like they're 60 and many of the opportunities and experiences that they want to have are behind them yeah right and you, you're not having a, a big of impact as you want if i think if you ask people like what would you rather have uh 90 000 at 60 or 30 000 at 30 it's 30 000 at 30 absolutely right? even, even, even if it's 120 000 right yeah right well so. and i i won't give away too much of the book but the the thing that the the two kind of models that you laid out that I've started, I've started playing with and literally, you know, got, this is one of the few books, like I've like taken notes on, gone back, revisited. And actually, like I said, put into action here is the, the concept of experience points and memory dividends because of yeah. how beneficial those are. What, um, when did you realize that memory dividends, uh, first of all, I'd love to know, like if you, how you came up with the name, I, I think I know, but when did you realize like, oh, this is actually something that's really impactful? No, I had been thinking about it uh, for a bit because I was, I was kind of like, you know, just people randomly think about things. It's like, you know, hey, you have an experience, but it's, it's the planning of the experience, actually experiencing it, and then the recall of it, right? Like, I always joke, like, anybody who's masturbated understands the memory dividend. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. and, so, and so, but, but really, it's that the fact that, um, you know, like, experiences don't just have value when you do them. They have value and give you uh, enjoyment when you recall them. And there's a lot of stuff in advertising science about how like Coca-Cola doesn't taste better than Pepsi. But when you consume a Coke and you know it's a Coke, you absorb all the advertising as well. And it gives you these feelings and rushes and memories associated with it. And so you know, you, you go on a trip, you come back, you go to dinner, you tell your friends, you're like, I did this and we got lost. And I lost my car keys and we were stuck in the Italy for, you know, you know, you, you, ha you have this new experience, which is a dividend of the original experience, right? It's what makes you interesting. And, you know, in a most rudimentary sense, it's like when you go up to a door and you open it, that's the memory dividend. You're not sitting there going, oh my gosh, what's this object? It's, it's cylindrical like the other thing. You know what I mean? You just open it up. It's a damn door, right? Yeah. <laughs> right? You're, that's a dividend. Like your learnings, you went to school, their memory dividends paying off. And so when you're considering delaying gratification or having the event now, you know, and when you spend your money, you really, like when you're saving money, really you're just saving for future consumption right? You're not saving to never use it. You're saving for future consumption. So the question is, is that, well, if I save, I'll have more later and I'll be able to do more things later, right? So it's like an experience dividend in the future, or I could do it now, have that enjoyment and have the, the, the experiences along the way, right? That pay out dividends. And so um, just like you put money in a bank, and it pays interest, like a little bit of money, right? That enjoyment that you can go and spend and buy an ice cream every day with, right? That would give you enjoy. You can go on a trip or 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 have some other experience. I'm using trip, but if, if any experience you talk about, go driving, teach your daughter how to drive, right? 
And every time you recall that, you're going to have enjoy and experience dividends associated with that with that experience, and that's part of your fulfillment, right? That's the net sum tell me your fulfillment. It looks better on a graph in the book, I promise you. It does. Uh, it, so. I mean, it looks great, but I I mean, I, I think the, I think the listener hears what you're saying, but it it is, it's it's so it's powerful. I think most people, maybe not most, I think a lot of folks, certainly most of my listeners, have had at least one trip where. It's the trip that they have pictures from. Like maybe they're, you know, maybe it was a cruise. I think of like my cousin and and their family. Like they, they, uh, my aunt, uncle took the entire family on a cruise, and they've still ever, all of them who went on that cruise have have pictures up in their home. And this was 15, 20 years ago, maybe longer. And it's just this, like I think we, when you say memory dividend, I think it's kind of natural to to yeah. to get it, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. And so I tell people like, you know, Warren Buff is like, they tell people to invest early. And I'm like, yeah, invest early in experiences. They, that's how you get the interest in the compound dividend of your fulfillment. It's like what fulfills you. And, you know, people get it. Like when they go out to dinner with their friends or they're meeting up, like a significant portion of the conversation is about things that have happened and experiences to them. Right. Yeah. Sharing and laughing about that, whatever. And then talking about their experience creates a new experience. They're radioactive. Right. And it, spreads your fulfillment and enjoy it makes you interesting makes that's that's what's going to give you uh you know what makes you happy right most of it is things that have have happened and choices that you have made you know i love i love that you point out it's like what makes you happy uh as i was getting ready for our conversation i was listening to a few other podcasts that you've done and uh on one of them i heard a story about i think when you really started to make money uh, was it a Lamborghini? Was that like the first expensive car yeah. you bought? And yeah. would, would you mind would would you mind resharing that story? Yeah. So, so I got wealthy, and you know, it was charity auction, bought a Lamborghini, and 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 you know, it was just kind of doing what had been advertised to me, what a rich guy does. I was just like, oh, this is what they do on TV and Wall Street and rappers or whatever. You know, like I should be doing this. You know, buying things that are somewhat maybe fun and very much status symbol-y. And I, I bought the car and I hated it. I, I absolutely hated it. It was, it was like, you know, it's not good for potholes and city driving. It's just a pain in the ass to get in. And I felt like a douchebag driving around in his Lamborghini. You know what I mean? Like I, I loved it when I was a kid when I had matchbox cars, but I wasn't really in touch with what I wanted. I wasn't really thinking about what I wanted. I was on autopilot uh, about what rich guys should do, right? Like, Oh, do this, buy the thing, buy the car, whoop it up in the club, whatever. Not that in small doses, those things aren't fun, right? Like I would have been nice to like drive it, but I didn't need to own a Lamborghini. And I, I needed to think about, it was like, well, what do I really want? Like what, what, what really is entertaining for me in the entertainment bucket? What we're proposing a charitable bucket? What adventures and experiences do I want to have in this time period of my life? And, and, and also when I die, right? Like, and so that took some unplugging or deep thought about like, you know, what, what do I really want? And it's not that easy, right? It's, I don't want to, I don't want to make this trivial. It's not a trivial exercise. Well, you know, it's not, um, I've heard it put another way, which is, you know, if you ask a lot of people, uh, you know, how, what's wealth like for you and it's, you often get a common answer. I I heard it first from someone who's very famous. So I'm not going to repeat, I'm not going to say who it was, but it's, it's some version of, being able to do what I want, when I want, with who I want, for how long I want. And that's a great answer, except for, okay, so, but what is it that you want to be doing with those people for that amount of time? You know, you know, and 
that's not it's that's actually not that easy to answer unless you no. spend some time in I believe in you know kind of doing some work inside and really trying to pull that out of you. In fact, as I've been thinking about this, like I've had, I had to remember there was things I wanted to do. Like I've played a game called Over the Line or OTL as we called it growing up, which is kind of like a beach three man softball game. I wouldn't even try to explain it right now. And there's like world championships every year in in San Diego, and I've just I've never played. I'm always on vacation in San Diego during the world championships every year. I have for as long as I can remember, but I've never played in it. And so I was talking to my daughter about this as we were walking to the coffee shop in July. And, and I, I said, you know what? I think that's one of my things I want to, um, that's going to go on my list. I, I literally had to remember, remind it, remind myself of it or remember it. My business partner reminded me last week as we were talking about this, that I used to, I haven't been snowboarding in like eight years since my oldest daughter was like one or two. And I'm like, I know there's some snowboarding trips I haven't taken yet that I, I got to take while I still can. And so it is easy. Those are real easy ones, right. To just say, but even those took some, like, Oh, I got to get myself out of like my regular everyday normal routine to, to think deep about that. Yeah. That's fantastic. And that, and that's what the book's about, right? Like you step off autopilot, like even if you don't do any of the money part, even if you don't do X, Y, and Z, the fact that you're like, Hey, there are experiences that I want to have, like you won't be able to snowboard forever, right? Like you'll be alive and not be able to snowboard. And you maybe won't be competitive in the softball thing. The fact that you stopped and said, Hey, I'm on default mode. I'm going to work. I'm doing a thing. I'm saving the money. I'm, you know, whatever, all the things that this, our culture says you should do. And you're doing a good job, but you're forgetting like, Hey, what experiences do I want? And, and where do they belong? Right? Like softball is not nineties or, you know, I don't, there are probably not that many 75s on that OTL sport thing. <laughs> not, right? not, not that many. <laughs> and there's not too many 75 year olds that snowboard. I'm not saying that there aren't, but like, you know, my body frame, whatever, it's not happening at 75, right? I don't even wakeboard anymore. I wake surf. So, uh, you know, that, that is going to give you right away more fulfillment. You're going to have a more fulfilling life, right? Because you got off autopilot, decided, Hey, this thing belongs in this time bucket of my life. Right. And I, I did it and I'm not going to, you know, 10, 15 years later, look back and be like, Oh fuck, I wish I had done this. Why did I not do this? I had the money, I had the resources, I had the time, I enjoy it, et cetera. You yeah. Know? It's so easy to, uh, it's so easy to convince ourselves that we, that we don't have the time. Cause we're, yeah, you give the, the story in the book about a friend who like, Hey, I'm going to get to this amount of money or net worth. And then all of a sudden that bar moves. And I think for anybody who go, kind of goes after it and it, you know, accomplishes a lot, at least in the professional world is the type of person who tends to move the goalposts forward as they get closer to their goalposts, which there's some value in that. And then, but then you end up looking, you know, looking up at, at 75 going, damn, I didn't take that snowboarding trip. And that was, or I didn't do this thing with my kids. And that's a, that's a regret, you know, that I know that I, I just don't want to live with. Yeah. It, 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 it's pretty tough. It's pretty tough. And I think a lot, you know, some of it, not all of it, I don't, you know, like people, I always get the answer. Why do people do, you know, like question, why, why do people, why does this happen? Why do people do it? I think part of it is, is like the, the concept of enough requires you knowing what you want. I think a lot of people go through life not really thinking deeply about who they are and what they want out of life. And everybody's different, right? Like I, I wrote this book not telling you how to live your life. I wrote this book telling you how to optimize your life based on what you want, right? And you, people are going to have different spending curves based on that. But just a mental framework of like, okay, let me optimize for my want. But what I can't tell you is what you want, you know what I mean? Where you have to sit down and, and you know, 
map out your life, break them out in whatever time buckets you want, every five years, three years, whatever, and be like, okay, what, what do I want to happen in my life in this period? What do I want to have in life in this period? What do I envision having in my life in this future period? You know, and, and if you could perfectly like close your eyes, know exactly what you want in each period, right? That's going to fulfill you. You know exactly how much to save, how much to spend and when, Yeah. right? You'd know enough to the penny. Right. Yeah. And what you'd find, what my argument is, is that what you find is that a lot of your activities will follow, follow this, this spending will follow this natural bell curve, right? You probably don't have uh, that many activities that cost a lot of money at, at 85 to 90, right? Like, yeah. you, you're like, I want walks. I want my grandchildren to visit me. I want picnics. I want to hang out on the beach. I want to do some gardening or whatever. And then when you're near this age, you're like, I want to go play in this OTL conference and I want to go snowboarding. And you know what I mean? Like there's a little bit more going on there. And you know, I just point to the data to show that, that like of those who save their net worth to continue to go up in their seventies. And you know, my argument is, is yeah, because they can't spend the money. Yeah. Now, I mean, that is, yeah, that's a great, I mean, that's a great point. You can't, there's only some, there's only so much you, you can do. And then I think too, the natural reaction is like, well, I got this money, so I'm going to hold on to it. So it sort of naturally grows because you're not spending it on yourself. No, and, yeah. Right. And, and it's, it's not just the, the ability, it's, it's, it's attitude. It's not just aptitude, it's attitude. Like they, they just don't want to, you know, you just, as you get older, your taste change. And so like, you know, like my glow stick days, it's like my taste change. It's not as much fun as it used to be. You know what I mean? Even though I could do it, you know, yeah. it's like, so whatever Chuck E. Cheese tokens I had for glow stick days, I kind of wasted them if I haven't spent them already. You know what I mean? Like whatever money was earned for that, it's gone. Right. No doubt. And so, so, I mean, I, and I use that as an example, but there's all kinds of examples depending on who you are in your life and, and, and your wants and your curve. And when you think about that, like you, you're going to get more of life. You're going to have a richer life. You're going to have a more fulfilling life. And that's what we're solving for your net fulfillment. Net, yeah. Net fulfillment. And that's the thing you know, I, I've read, you know, plenty of books on, on money and building wealth and things like that. And the thing and some of them are great. Some of them are terrible. Some of them are really great, but they're all, they're all solving for net worth, not net fulfillment. And those are just so wildly different. And yes, there's an inner, I think the whole point is the the beauty of your book is there's this nuance of that intersection. Um, and the, but, Optim, but you can you can only optimize for one thing. Only one thing can be the priority. Everything else is is a, is not the priority. There's always right. only one most important thing, right? And so I love that you you know you make it your statement, your argument, if you will, in the book, really clear that your priority is net fulfillment, not not net worth. Yeah, and yeah, that, to me, that's just such Correct. a better way of looking at life. The question I've been wanting to ask you is: you published this book in 2020, if I remember correctly which I'm assuming that means you started writing in like 2018, maybe 2019, maybe sooner. Is there obviously a lot's changed since you published the book? Like the world's been through a lot. Is there anything you'd read, you would revise today or something you'd change or something like pre COVID maybe the last couple of years might've changed part of the book that if there was a, you know, updated version might, might include, you know, I, I, you know, so when you write a book, um, you, 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 you try, you know, you want, to reach the most people and write it in a way that the most people understand it, absorb it, and it impacts their lives, right? I'm trying to, in my mind, I'm trying to save people's lives, right? Like, uh, you know, you probably heard me say this. Um, if you, if somebody's drowning in the water and then you, you pull them out, 
and, and you, you, know, you resuscitate them and you save their lives. And I, I tell people, guess what? They're still going to die. They're just not going to die that day, right? And so what did you actually do? You actually gave them more time, the ability to make more choices, the ability to have more experiences, right? Yep. And so in this book, I'm saving everybody's life by getting off autopilot to have more experiences, more fulfillment out of life, et cetera, the same way you save that, that person drowning. Like all they're getting is more experiences and more choices. And so if you optimize your life and you get more experiences and more choices and more fulfillment, in my mind, I visualize it the same way. Whether you, you know, you're breathing, but you're throwing away your life and living as if you're dead or whether you're actually dead to me, there's an equivalence there. Yeah. And so, um, you know, the question is, how would I change the book if I would change anything? And I, I don't know if I would, because each segment of the populace, like some people I have friends, I was like, I want the 600 page version of this book. I'm, I'm like, I'm glad you wrote the theories and the mental models and a couple examples, but I want a cookbook. You know what I mean? They want the do this, do that, do this version. Right. And then, you know, I have other people that are like, no, I, you know, a little bit too more formulas. I want more, you know, emotional examples of how it impacted you, et cetera, more motivational, you know, on, on that, 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 that area. And so, um, you know, I guess I would give a couple more examples or a little bit more details on things to do because um, I realized like even writing the book and some of the exercises I put out, they're difficult, right? It's like, maybe I should have some examples on how to think about more in depth about getting off autopilot and exercises to get you there. Yeah. I'm just kind of like, this is what you need to do, whatever, but it's like, put it together your damn self, right? After the theory, I was like, here's E equals MC squared. I don't tell you how to build a satellite with a perfect GPS system, right? Like to yeah. the, the, the positioning, which is a result of the formula E equals MC squared. Without that, you don't have accurate GP, GPS, right? And so people are like, no, I want, I want the application layer, right? So I think I would add more of the application layer if I changed it to help people um, maybe at the end of the book to, to help people actually implement it, you know, tell them, you know, show them the book. One of the books I modeled after was your money or your life uh, by Joe. I think it's Joe Dominguez and Vicki Robbins. I hope I got the names right. Um, it was a very influential book on me, but one of the things that book did was many exercises that you had to do. Right. It was like, do this, do that, which trains your mind in a way of thinking, which was great. I, I thought that was a little too much for my book um, and painful. Like when I read that book, I was like, oh, these exercises are so didactic. I hate it. But at the end, I was like, this is great. I see the world in a whole new way, right? I see money in a whole new way. Do you feel, um, I got, I mean, I know, I don't even have to imagine. I know that people, have, many, many people have shared with you what, what I shared with you about how this hit me personally. Do you feel like, um, do you feel like you've sort of done your duty or do you feel like you owe the world, if you will, any more of, like you said, maybe some more tools, like you met, you talked about starting, like the idea was like an app or a computer program. Maybe right. is there, you know, is there, is there something like that to contribute more that you feel like maybe you got to get out of you or do, like, do you feel, do you feel good? I mean, you should feel good about it, but. I mean, do you, I guess yeah. the question is, do you feel complete on this message or do you feel like yeah. you owe some of that? Well, I, I, I mean, I think I, you know, I don't feel like I owe it. I feel like I want to inspire people. And I see people, I think it's Bridget Casey. She has an Instagram and other people taking the, 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 you know, the, the, the foundations, the formula, right. And then 
you know, creating spreadsheets, like here's how I'm going to die with zero. Here's the spreadsheet I laid out. Here's my money. Here's my income. How, here's how I calculate it. Right. And so they're kind of taking the ball and running with it. Right. And, and you know, I have a saying that nobody does anything great alone. Right. Like yeah. even Jesus had disciples, right. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like even Genghis Khan had his horde, you know, like whoever you want to, you know, you want to do, right. Like every nobody does anything great alone. Right. And so, you know, I, I, I come out and I'm, I'm preaching the gospel of net fulfillment and optimizing your life to get the most out of it. Right. And other people are like, great, I got the formulas. I understand we do. I'm going to go further and take the ball down the road. And I'm going to put spreadsheets online on how to people to do this. I'm going to do workshops on, you know, meditating and, and doing the enough part, that vertical. I'm going to write a health book about like optimizing for your health. Right. Because the three variables in the book are your health, your wealth and your time. Yeah, You know, there's health books out there that, you know, I'm not going to add anything to somebody else can add better, better to it. There are money books, like you said, right, that how to make money, right? It's not a how to make money book. It's how to optimize your money with relationship to your health and time and time management books. There's better time management books out there, right? Like there's like, you know, the, do this and to make notes or whatever, like optimizing tools for time. out there. And I'm like, those verticals, like taking those and then through the lens of uh, Die With Zero and adding those tools into the book, I think that's for other people to do and run with, right? I think my thing was kind of this overarching, here you go, here's how you optimize your life. You know, if you want the tool of money and you need, you know, there's better tools on like how to have the best tool of money. And I'm like, okay, once you have that tool, I'm going to tell you how to build the best house you want. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. there's great books on how to build, how to, you know, make the best hammers and the best saws and, you know, here's a new buzz saw, whatever. And I'm like, that's great, but we're not here for the saw. We're here for the house. You know what I mean? And this is how you optimize for the house. Right. You know, and so that, there it. you go. That's, that's, that's where I'm at. You know, now this just came to me, but it's like this book is the first part of a really great choose your own adventure. You know, you remember those, but did yeah. you have those books when you were a yeah. kid? Like, yes, the, yes, I, yes. I would I'd read well, those. Mainly books. the game. I was like those Zork or that type of thing, you know? Yeah. Like, like, like you know, you'd be bouncing around going, oh, I'm going to go this way or I'm going to go that way. And um, so I love that people are taking it and running with it. I know I've started to build some of that stuff too. I, I guess I need to put a little more time into looking into maybe some of the models that other, other people have put on, uh, put online, because I think there's a lot to it. Uh, as we start to wind down, I got to, I like to ask this to people who wrote a book, especially when like, they're not a professional writer. Like that's not their, how they normally go about things. What was the thing about the process of actually writing the book that maybe surprised you the most, or maybe it was the hardest thing, or maybe it was the most fulfilling thing. What was the thing that surprised you the most about the process of actually putting this all down in a book? Oh, how, how hard it is to get it organized and flowing. Like I worked with a writer uh, and it was, it, it was painful. It, it was very long. It was very painful. And I'd write, there's chapters in there that are, there are two chapters that are just gone. <laughs> they were just like, it's just like, this doesn't make any sense. This is more confusing. This is, doesn't help people. This doesn't help the point get across, rip it out, you know? And, and the, the fact that you feel like you're never done and the publisher's like, no, you gotta be done. Like you're never done, you know? And so uh, there's a lot of uh, going back and forth, but the main thing is to write, like just write, just get the thoughts out, get it going, and then, you know, then start molding it and cutting it out. Like, because you can get, you know, people look at a, a hike or a mountain and they're like, holy shit, I can't get up the mountain. They're paralyzed. They don't even start. And it's like, you start one step at a time. Yeah. Everybody gets up the mountain the same way, one step at a time. And you can always do one step. And so that, that was, 
the analogies about writing and you know I, I see all these memes about like writing and blank pages and stuff and I'm like it, it's real you know the fear is real like you don't you're always like oh is this gonna suck is this person gonna get it and am I explaining it the right way uh that that shocked me about how painful and difficult I have a, a lot of respect for writers yeah it's uh, a lot of respect it's definitely to get it out not easy thing to do I, I mean I've never put together a book but I've written some small things and it's it's a challenge especially uh for so for those who go out and just do it day in and day out like that's a man that's a it's a hard gig but the the, the shocking thing is is that like you know how much it helped me right like i, I i'm i'm a student as as much as i'm at the one you know the prophet of these things like i, I i'm as much as on autopilot as the next person right so i was like okay this is for me this is a guy for me like how to get the most out of my life this was like shit i don't want to like a lot of people fear wasting money. I, I, I don't fear that. I fear wasting my life. That's the only thing I fear is wasting my life. So like, oh, you waste $10, I don't care. Did I waste like my 20s? Holy fuck. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, fuck, don't let me waste my 50s. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like that type of thing. Like I am like sweating bullets when I think about those things. So like, that's what snaps me out. I was like, okay, what do you really want? Okay, what experiences do you want to have in your daughters in this period? What experiences do you want to have in your wife? What experiences do you want to have? What charitable things do you want to be doing? What potluck? What, what are you doing to randomize this? What, where's your potluck? How, where's your discovery? You know, that's, that's what like gets me all scared and, and worried. Like, you know, like, am I, am I, am I really getting the most out of this ride? Because this ride ends. And I don't mean just the ultimate death i mean the ride of just this time period in my life yeah and so that's what gets me going and uh you know the other thing that surprised me just how many people you can touch and inspire like there are two students who are going out teaching a class on die with zero to, to kids like that just the whole concept of thinking about your life and planning your life and optimizing for experiences and being bold and you know those chapters and i thought wow i wouldn't i wouldn't even thought to run with that that way you know and you know that that it's 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 it it's things that you you know it, it think tools and things you develop for yourself you'd be surprised how much they will help other people so i encourage people to do that yeah and then even too like as you mentioned earlier it's like other people can just then take it and iterate on it right and make it right take it to the next level because you've got once you sort of op open source it right? It, right it was all in your head it was what you did and it was in these conversations you're having with your friends and now it's now it's like open source, open source code to the world. Like anybody can take it and kind of build on top of it. And it's pretty amazing what people, you know, can do given, given the chance to be creative and put their spin on things. Yeah. It's just, it's really a formula, right? It's force equals mass times acceleration. Take that and run with it. You know what I mean? You want to build a rocket or a cannon or whatever, you know what I mean? Like you're going to go with it according to what you want in your life. And I'm just like, great. I have opened up, I have hoped, I hope I've shown a light on these principles and these ideas that if you do any part of it, you're just going to be more fulfilled. You know what I mean? Yeah. People are going to have a better life. Um, so die, die with zero book.com is the website for people to go check it out. Is there any other place that you would like to send people to, or that uh, you'd recommend whether it's social channel or, or any other website that were, were you no, that, that, that's great. I mean, there's thyroid zero book on Instagram, but it's just people reviewing it. If you want to go check out reviews, we, we kind of like uh, reach out to bookstagrammers, go where people read books and, and, and ask them to review the book and go out. So there, there are a bunch of reviews there. Um, but no, I mean, that's, that's perfect. You know, you can pick it up in, and I think they're in all bookstores, all major bookstores. It's in a couple languages, actually really big in Japan. Really? 
Japan is one of the biggest spots, uh, but it's in Serbian, it's Japan, it's in Spanish, it's it's in German, it's in Serbian. That's so, pretty cool, man. Like that's gotta yeah. that's that's gotta feel. Are you you're a guy that's accomplished a lot uh, professionally, obviously done a lot personally, but that that's gotta be a pretty cool feeling to know that you wrote a book. Yeah. You put your thoughts on paper, and it's not it's not like just in English. I mean, just having it be a hit, if you will, in the U.S. That's a big deal. But knowing that it's now being you know it's translated in other language, like that yeah. that's really damn cool. It, it fits, and I really go against, uh, you know, culture. But in Japan, I, I'm coming hard at the culture in Japan, right? And so I, I see why it has an impact there, why, why people are like, well, you know. Yeah, it's you're, you're forcing people to think differently or maybe just giving, yeah. them, giving them the opportunity to because they've, they've thought the same thing but haven't acted on it uh, for whatever well, reason. Well, it's just universal, right? Like people – you know, at the core, I guess my theory is correct. Like people want a fulfilling life, right? That's the most important thing to them. They don't want to waste their life. We, I mean, we're so busy doing things and get habituated to to do things that, you know, uh, afford a survival, right? But then we go past survival and we don't realize that, right? Like, and, and, and we just keep operating in a survival mode instead of fulfillment mode, you know, and there's a balance, right? And yeah. so- um, you know, waking people up to that balance that, Hey, it's going by fast. And, you know, not just, not just, you know, you're going to die X day in the future, but all these, all these periods of you are dying and we need to get, we need to get you optimized. Yeah. You guys, for the listener, I obviously probably figured this out by now. If you're still listening, like I cannot recommend this book enough, read it, read it with your spouse. If you have a spouse, significant other, whatever friends um, it's, it's, it's really impactful. It's changed the way, not just I've thought, but a lot of people very close to me, including my business partner and his family uh, and, and so many others. And so I just, I want to say thank you, Bill, for not just taking the time to do this interview. This has been great, but like the work that went into that book, I know it wasn't easy. And so I just, I want to convey my, my thanks to you. No, I appreciate that. I mean, that's why I wrote, wrote the book. That's the most fulfilling thing I get, you know, regarding the book. Like, it, you don't write books to make money. You know what I mean, like, it's a very tough business. Like, it's the, the, the joy I'm getting out is like, oh, I've changed people's mind. I've made their life better. You know what I mean? They're going to be more fulfilled, you know? Absolutely. All right. Um, Bill Perkins, thank you for taking the time to do this with us today. I really appreciate it. And uh, for the listener, we'll have all the links for you in the show notes, of course. Go buy the book, share it, review it, of course, and uh, and say thanks to Bill on social somewhere. And uh, Bill, thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks for having me. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. Did you enjoy today's podcast? Join the Kevin and Fred community, part of EXP Realty, and partner with us today. You'll get free access to live trainings two or more times a month, live events and in-person masterminds, digital downloads to help you run and scale your business, and much, much more. To learn more and join our community, visit kevinandfred.com slash contact and contact us today. Not ready to join our community? No problem. Continue enjoying all this great content on our podcast for free.